Welcome to the Employment Law and HR Podcast with your host, Allison Colley. Hello and welcome to this episode number 34 of the Employment Law and HR Podcast. I'm your host, Alison Colley. I'm an employment law solicitor and HR specialist. And I bring this podcast to you to provide you with updates on employment law and um, to give you an understanding about employment law topics in an easy to understand, um, easy to consume way. So in a slight change to the normal format for the podcast, for the next the next six weeks of the podcast, so the next six episodes, I'm going to be focusing on a mini series. So it's going to be a mini series about unfair dismissal. Now, unfair dismissal is the backbone of employment law and it's the thing that most people know about. Um, however, there are some intricacies involved with unfair dismissal and it's something that I think every manager, um, HR professional and uh, business owner or supervisor should be aware of. And so what I'm going to do is bring you six episodes of the podcast that are focusing, really focusing in on unfair dismissal. Now, I know in a couple of the previous episodes of the podcast, I have brought you some information about particular cases or um, issues around unfair dismissal. But this is going to be really drilling down into what unfair dismissal is all about and um, hopefully giving you enough information so you feel confident in dealing with things like dismissals at work, that sort of thing. So without further ado, I'm going to get into this episode number 34 of the podcast, but episode one in this mini series on unfair dismissal. So in this first episode of the Unfair Dismissal series, I'm going to give you an introduction. So it's going to be telling you what what unfair dismissal is, what the differences are between unfair dismissal and constructive unfair dismissal, where the law comes from, some of the history to unfair dismissal laws, um, details about the qualifying periods in order to pursue a claim, and I'll also give you an overview about automatic unfair dismissal. So where does um, unfair dismissal come from and where did it start? Unfair dismissal law was introduced into the UK in 1971 and it was in the form of the Industrial Relations Act 1971. The introduction of unfair dismissal came about because of a report which was known as the Donovan Commission, or its full title was the Royal Commission on Trade Unions and Employers Associations. And that was published in 1968. And following that report, the Conservative government at the time introduced the Industrial Relations Act 1971. Now that report came about because of a number of years in the uh, sort of mid-60s of unofficial strike action. And there was lots of unrest within employment and um, the government at the time decided that something needed to be done to deal with industrial relations and so this report was commissioned and which resulted in in the introduction of unfair dismissal. One thing that the report noted and which um, was one of the reasons why the report was instigated in the first place was that between the period 1964 and 1966 there were some 276 unofficial strikes which took place each year on average as a result of disputes about whether individuals should or should not be employed, suspended or dismissed. So when employees had no recourse if they were dismissed, um, there was obviously, uh, you know, strike action by their 
colleagues and um, other employees. And what the government wanted to do was to try to prevent this from happening and obviously to make smoother industrial relations. So amongst other things, when the um, Industrial Relations Act 1971 came into force, it brought in this new thing of unfair dismissal. And it meant that employees could then bring a claim for unfair dismissal. Not, Not quite in the same guise as it is now, but that was the first time that it had been introduced. And it meant that employees could receive compensation if they were unfairly dismissed. Unfortunately, the introduction of that act didn't actually have the effect that was hoped and unions didn't really accept it, although they were generally in favour of unfair dismissal or the unfair dismissal sections of the act. And then when the Labour government came in in 1974, they repealed the act in its entirety and introduced a new act and they reenacted the unfair dismissal elements in the Trade Union and Labour Relations Act 1974. Unfair dismissal came about as a result of a number of disputes that were taking place between employers and employees at the time as a way of resolving them and to prevent those sort of mini strikes that were taking place. So that's the history of unfair dismissal. So what what is unfair dismissal and what does the law say about it now? Now the right not to be unfairly dismissed is contained within section 94 of the Employment Rights Act 1996. So that's the current law. And that says an employee has the right not to be unfairly dismissed by his employer. So that's it at the basic level. There are certain categories of people who um, don't have that right. Um, They are, for instance, police and the armed forces. So um, People who are members of the police force and the armed forces don't have the right to claim unfair dismissal. They do have other employment rights, but they don't have this. Now, in order to claim unfair dismissal, an employee must have sufficient qualifying service with their employer. And that is currently two years. So an employee has to have been employed continuously for two years in order to have the right to claim unfair dismissal. Okay, subject to some exceptions, which I'll come on to shortly. Now that changed in April, so the 6th of April 2012, the qualifying period for unfair dismissal was increased from one year to two years. And for those of you who um, are interested or may remember, actually it used to be um, two years uh, before. So it went from two years to one year and now it's back to two years. So anyone, so what this means is um, if again, subject to the exceptions, which I'll come on to, um, if an employee has less than two years qualifying service, they can't actually pursue a claim for unfair dismissal. Now, the purpose of unfair dismissal legislation, as I said, historically, was to try to prevent disputes. But now, I think it's seen more as a way of providing employees with with rights. Um, And the idea of the qualifying period of service is that by the time somebody is employed for two years, you would expect to have a full understanding of whether they're any good at the job, whether they're going to be suited for the role. And um, after that time, there's an expectation that if an employer wants to get rid of an employee, that they must have one of the five fair reasons for dismissal. It's my intention to deal with the fair reasons for dismissal in the next episode of this series but for the purposes of this one you need to know that there are five potentially fair reasons. It's important to note that an employee can only claim unfair dismissal where their employment has actually been terminated by their employer so they can't 
claim unfair dismissal unless they've actually had their employment ended. And if an employee wants to claim unfair dismissal, they have three months within which to do so. So it's three months from the date of termination, um, less a day. However, due to the ACAS early conciliation procedure, the period of time in which the conciliation is going on will extend the deadline for an unfair dismissal claim by that period. So um, that's uh, covered in another episode and also I've got some blog posts about it. But it's just to say that the if you have in mind that the deadline for either putting a claim in by an employee or contacting ACAS is three months less a day from the date of termination of their employment. Another important thing to note about unfair dismissal is that once an employee has been employed for over a year, they have the right to request written reasons for their dismissal and um, you're obliged to provide those as the employer if you receive a request. And if you have a pregnant employee or somebody on maternity leave who is dismissed, they are automatically entitled to a written statement without actually having to ask you. So if you are intending to terminate the employment of a pregnant person or somebody on maternity leave, then um, you would need to provide them with written reasons for the termination. So just to summarise there some of the key points about unfair dismissal, you need to have a qualifying period of service of two years. You can only claim unfair dismissal if the employment has actually ended. There's a time limit of three months to either put the claim in or to go through the ACAS early conciliation procedure and employees have the right to written reasons if they've been employed for longer than a year. Now what's the difference then between unfair dismissal and constructive unfair dismissal? I've already said that in order to claim unfair dismissal you have to have actually had the employment terminated by the employer and that's the real difference I suppose. The easiest way of saying it is the difference between unfair dismissal and constructive unfair dismissal is that for unfair dismissal the employer terminates the employment and for constructive unfair dismissal the employee would need to resign from their employment. I did cover off constructive unfair dismissal in detail in episodes 18 and 21 of the podcast so I'll put a link in the show notes but if you are interested in learning more about constructive unfair dismissal then I suggest you have a listen to those. Now with employment law as I'm sure you are aware there are always exceptions to the rules and um, unfair dismissal is, is definitely one of those. There are some exceptions to the qualifying period and these are set out within the Employment Rights Act again um, under what section 108 if you're interested in having a look. And they are, if the employee is dismissed in circumstances where they would qualify for paid suspension on medical grounds, then their qualifying period is only one month. Um, in most cases where the dismissal is automatically unfair, there is no need for a period of qualifying service. And I'll talk about automatically unfair dismissal claims in a moment. In relation to cases where the reason or principal reason for the dismissal is or relates to the employee's political opinions or affiliations, that means then they don't need to have the full qualifying period of two years. And in cases where the reason or principal reason for the dismissal is or is connected with the employee's membership of the reserve forces and the effective date of the termination is after the 1st of October 2014. That gives the, um, a reservist additional protection from unfair dismissal so they don't have to have that qualifying period. So as I say there are there are four situations where the qualifying period of two years is not required to bring a claim for unfair dismissal and one of those reasons as I said was in relation to automatic unfair dismissal and in most cases automatic unfair dismissal you don't need the qualifying period. However, 
you do need to have the qualifying period of service for a dismissal in relation to a spent conviction or a GP transfer. So I'll come back to those when I give you the list of the automatically unfair reasons for dismissal. So what is automatic unfair dismissal? Well, in certain circumstances, the dismissal of an employee for one of those reasons is deemed to be automatically unfair. Okay, and what that means is there is no defence. There is no defence by the employer for that dismissal. And the Employment Tribunal has no obligation in those circumstances to consider the reasonableness of the decision. So where the Employment Tribunal establishes that the reason for the termination of the employee's employment is one of those reasons that I'm just about to list, they will have to find that the dismissal was automatically unfair. The automatically unfair reasons for dismissal are dismissing somebody for making a request to study or to train, dismissing somebody for making protected disclosures, so under whistleblowing legislation, dismissing somebody because they are pregnant or on maternity leave or maternity related, Um, dismissing an employee because of family reasons. So that includes um, exercising their rights to parental, paternity, um, adoption leave, uh, time off for dependents and flexible working. If an employee is a shop worker and they refuse to work on a Sunday and they're dismissed, that would be automatically unfair. If you dismiss an employee for health and safety reasons, that would also be automatically unfair. If an employee is dismissed for taking part in industrial action, if they're dismissed for being an employee rep, um, also they have additional protection if they're a trade union member or um, if they are dismissed for a trade union membership, should I say, um, and or union recognition then that would be automatically unfair. Dismissing part-time or fixed-term employees because of their part-time or fixed-term status would be automatically unfair. And if an employee asserts their right in relation to the working time regulations, i.e. for annual leave, or in relation to um, the national minimum wage, then that would be automatically unfair. So let's just say, um, for argument's sake, an employee uh, approaches their employer and says, "I'm, I'm being paid below the national minimum wage, and I think it's unfair. And the employer says, okay, well, in that case, I'm going to dismiss you. Then they would, um, that, that dismissal would be automatically unfair and the employee need not have been employed for two years. Dismissal, interestingly, of a pension trustee. So if somebody is dismissed for performing their functions in relation to, um, a trustee position as a, in the pension. If an employee is dismissed for enforcing their rights in relation to working tax credit, if they are dismissed in connection with being on the uh, blacklist, so that's in relation to the the blacklisting regulations. If they are dismissed for carrying out jewellery service, that would be automatically unfair. And then finally, if they exercise their employment rights, so that is to say if they um, bring a claim uh, of any sort and then they're dismissed as a result, that would be automatically unfair. And that includes the uh, right to be accompanied. So if somebody utilises their right to be accompanied at a meeting, then they would also be um, protected from unfair dismissal as a result of that. And as you'll recall, it would be automatically unfair to dismiss an employee because of spent convictions and in relation to the transfer of their employment under GP. Um, If they have either of those claims, although it would be automatically unfair, they still need to have been employed for two years. Now, the difference between having an automatic unfair dismissal case and a normal unfair dismissal case is, as I say, the Employment Tribunal 
have to make a finding of unfair dismissal and can't consider their employer's reasons behind it, etc. Um, and in cases where somebody is dismissed for health and safety reasons or asserting their health and safety or for whistleblowing um, or make, you know, making protected disclosures, in those cases, if there is an automatic unfair dismissal for those reasons, then there is no cap on the compensation that can be awarded to them. Um, and I will talk about compensation in a future um, episode of this series on unfair dismissal. But it's just to say that there is a cap on compensation awards. And in those um, two types of cases, so health and safety and whistleblowing, there would be no cap on the compensation. So what does that actually mean for you in practice? Well, I quite often have calls from employer clients who say, um, I, you know, I want to get rid of this uh, employee because they're not up to scratch. They're not meeting my requirements. I don't think their performance is any good, but I don't really want to go through the whole procedure of inviting them to a meeting and doing all of that sort of thing. And they've only been employed for a, a year. So, you know, they won't have any claim for unfair dismissal. Well, I then say to the employer clients, actually, you know, there are certain unfair dismissal claims that they could have or could infer which would mean that they don't need that qualifying period and so it's always really important to have a fair reason for dismissing somebody and at least to communicate that to the employee so that they don't have an inference so they can't draw an inference let's just say for argument's sake as an example you have an employee who um, who's not up to scratch performance wise and the reason you want to dismiss them is actually because they're no good but um, you don't want to go through the procedure or tell them. And they just so happen to have had a period of paternity leave, for instance. Now, if they then argue that they're the only person who's had paternity leave and, you know, they were there were negative comments made about paternity leave and they say, well, actually, the reason you dismissed me was because I took paternity leave when nobody else does, uh, then it's going to be very difficult to counter that if you haven't done the correct procedure. So it's something to be mindful of when you're dealing with dismissing employees. Now that's the introduction to unfair dismissal. So finally, I'm just going to round off by telling you about um, the, a quote from ACAS. It's one of the opening sentences in relation to their guidance for unfair dismissal for employers. And that says that dismissing employees should be the last resort. Now I'm going to expand on that further in the future episodes of this series, mini-series, on unfair dismissal. But for now that's an introduction. You'll find all the details in my show notes which you can find at adviceforemployers.co.uk forward slash podcast forward slash 34. And in the course of this series if you have any questions that you want answered about unfair dismissal or you have an experience or any examples that you want to share, then do please get in touch. You can contact me by email. It's alison at realemploymentlawadvice.co.uk. And as always, if you have any issues of this nature or you want to chat them through, then do not hesitate to contact me. Okay, before I sign off, I just want to remind you about the Employment Law and HR update for 2015 that's taking place in Eastleigh, Hampshire on Thursday the 22nd of October. The doors open at 5pm for coffee and networking and the presentation will begin at 5.30. So I'm going to be bringing an essential update on what's happened this year 
in employment law and also what's happening in 2016. There'll be some great takeaways for anyone who attends and um, some exclusive information that's not covered anywhere else, either on the podcast or on the website. So if you're interested in coming along, you can sign up online. It's adviceforemployers.co.uk forward slash events. It does cost £4.75 for your ticket, of which £4 is going to save the children and 75p is the um, Eventbrite booking fee that you have to pay, unfortunately. Um, but I'm sure you will agree that it's for a good cause and hopefully you will get much more value out of it and um, it will help you. And of course, um, there'll be the opportunity to answer, ask questions on the day. So if you're interested, have a look on the website, adviceforemployers.co.uk. Thanks again for listening. Just want to finalise by saying I wouldn't be a lawyer unless I had a legal disclaimer. So I must just say to you that the information in this podcast is for information only. It's general review and a general update. It's always necessary to get specific legal advice about your circumstances. So please don't rely on anything that you've heard in this podcast. But please do feel free to contact me if you'd like further information or specific advice. 